on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. Instagram's new live rooms let you go live with up to three other people, so you and your followers can gym, tan, and laundry all at once. Twitter has a super cool new feature, Super Follows. Google is looking like one smart cookie with their latest (laughs) declaration on individual privacy. We talk about what happens when your brand becomes a verb and people drink the Kool-Aid. Old Jesse Timberlake over here cried us all a river over a Fleetwood Mac song. Jess drops a note that bars are reopening, but I'm not talking about a place you can grab a drink. And then they just closed. Oh, <laughs> on today's show. <laughs> Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news, a proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios, located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Bud. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on March 5th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, and please do, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. What's happening with you, Mark, this week? So last weekend, my family and I went to rent a house um, on a winery that my cousin's friend owns. And this place is so dangerous in terms of not like actually dangerous like I know we are dealing with the pandemic but the way it works um you go in and you hand them your credit card and they give you a wine card and they just have a wall of wine and you pick a glass and like put the card in and hit a button for what size you want from that bottle of wine and it pours the glass so it's completely self-serve and you're oh, not actually no. exchanging any money. <laughs> and uh, like we took it easy because we had a small reservation period because of COVID. But like imagine if bars were like that. Dangerous. That would be insane. Yeah. Disney's like that. They give you a key and they're like, eat and drink. It goes on here. Yeah, but everything at Disney is like $30 for a <laughs> glass of wine. Like, no, everyone knows. Like, they're, they're like, I know this is a fortune. I'm not even going to mess around with that. I also picture when you said it was a dangerous winery, the first thing that came to my mind was the grape lady. And I'm like, oh, no. Did you have a grape fella incident? Oh, like the stamping the, oh, the grapes oh, yes, when she falls. She, she's yeah. live on TV, is stomping mm-hmm. the grapes, and then falls. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then the anchors are like, "Oh no, that didn't sound good." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thankfully, you didn't physically get hurt. No. Yes, and the wine cave was closed, so oh, yeah. there was no adventure to be had. Yeah, I feel like you shouldn't be allowed in a wine cave. Seems <laughs> <laughs> <Seep> dangerous. <laughs> All right, Jess, how about you? Uh, well, speaking of adventure to be had, I went on an adventure this morning to the doctors, and 
my doctor's office is on the same floor as the labor and delivery at the hospital. It's at the hospital. And I walked in and it was the first time I'd been there since my son was born and the elevator doors open and I just lost it. And I just, You lost it? I lost it. I got very emotional because I have very good mm. memories of that place and whatever. And then that was fine. Like I had good vibes, moved on with my day. And then I came to work and I was messaging Jill, who is our chief growth officer at Cypress North. Oh, you mean Jill Fetcher, host of the Agency Scoop podcast? That is exactly what I mean. Yes. And I was messaging her because she's a fellow mom, so she gets it. And as I was telling her the story, the song Landslide came on (laughs) and I lost it again. And I just don't know if it's because I don't get out anymore that this little adventure just like set my day in motion. You've always been like that. It's been a day. You cry when you see a ladybug. When you see a butterfly (laughs) flying around out there, you cry. Such a thing. Anyway, what Mm -hmm. about you? (laughs) I've just been off this week and I think it started with a a client call early this week. It It was a fine client call, but we usually... For the past, I don't know, 11 months, we've been kind of looking at, at growth, account like account growth year over year, and we're kind of discounting some of the COVID products. And we're like, and this 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 week, the COVID products didn't do that great compared year over year. And I realized, I'm like, it's because we're a year in. This is a year of this. Happy anniversary. <laughs> no, <laughs> I've just been off all week. I think that's why. Mm. It's like, oh, no, there's no more comparison. It's now COVID to COVID. So. Wow. Thanks for that uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> I might cry again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Do you want me to sing Landslide? No. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Uh, but something that might pick you up is our most recent episode of Marketing Otak. We talked about the funnels. We had BFF of the show, Andrea Cruz, and host of the Funnel Reboot show, Glenn Schmelzi. Hop on with Mark and myself talking about funnels marketing throughout the entire funnel process. So mm-hmm. check that out if you haven't, and it's over on the Search Engine Journal YouTube channel as well. Mm-hmm. All right, and let's hop into the main news here this week. And first up, Twitter has two new changes coming. Oh my gosh, you can edit tweets? No, <laughs> not, not that at all. The first change is that users can charge their followers for access to additional content. That is really cool. Second, you have the ability to create and join groups based around specific interests. And these sort of go hand in hand and let me explain why. So first up, the new payment feature, I don't like the name of this, but it's called Super Follows. Mm. So nope. doesn't it just sound like a little stocky? Like I'm a super follower. Ooh. Yeah, I yeah. mean, like that just it sounds like you like have a badge and you're just flaunting mm. it, and it doesn't sound like actually anything appealing. No, you sound you sound like some like an anti like a, a super villain in a trench coat mm-hmm. that's like might have been at the Capitol a few months back. That's what oh, that sounds like. Yeah, I don't want any. Of Rename that. it anyway. So you can become a super follower, and you can. If you decide to charge for some of your tweets, you can um, give access to extra content. Some of the examples might be a bonus tweet that you have, bonus tweets, access to a community group, and surprising that they have community mm-hmm. groups here as well, um, subscription to a newsletter, and one note on that, uh, the newsletter platform Review, R-E-V-U-E, was just purchased back in January by Twitter. So you can kind of see some of these pieces mm-hmm. fitting together here. And lastly, you can have a badge indicating your support as a super follower. 
in a screenshot that was shared on this investor meeting, I believe is where it was shared. Uh, Twitter shows an example where a user charges $4.99 a month to receive a series of perks, and then you can make money off of you know creating that content. So it's pretty cool. And then on the community side, it seems to be that it's going to follow along the lines of Facebook groups. And Facebook groups has been really popular, obviously, because you've got that pre-built community there. Maybe Twitter will be the same way. But you can create those groups on specific interests like cats or plants. And I'm just as it's you. I love those things. Yeah. And cats only love two plants, interests. too. <laughs> <laughs> and there's no timeline yet for when either of these features will launch. And Twitter listed them as a what's next during that investor and, and, and during a presentation for analysts and investors. So what are your thoughts on this? Seems cool. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you got to back it up, though, with good content for five bucks a month, which may be difficult to do on Twitter. I don't know. I think the problem is I think it needs to work with other things. There might need to be a way for someone to just give you that access because I think a lot of creators are already doing this on other platforms mm-hmm. and it's like they're not also going to do it on Twitter. So it's just going to have to be like, I feel like some different types of content creators might emerge who might want to monetize this. I think it was related to this. I saw a tweet of someone being like, oh, like another way for you to make money would be to fix your ads platform <laughs> <laughs> instead of creating that this other product. <laughs> but it, it's definitely really interesting. I think it's a cool move. Um, it's definitely is a new revenue stream. You should still work on your ads platform. And this and this could be cool for like publishers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of use cases for this, I, but I think people might want to pay for my tweets. When I think I of would. when I think of building a network, I, I think of Twitter first, almost in a way where like Facebook is still you know kind of constrained and it's got a huge you know just visibility problems that's plagued Facebook. But for Twitter, I feel like people really follow and engage. It, it's it's I, I feel like it's like the truest followers you have, mm-hmm. and I think I think this makes sense. And then you also see, and this is pure speculation, but something like Twitter Spaces, where you have the audio platform that's similar to a clubhouse, and then you can say, "I'm Elon Musk. I've got nine million. I got way more than that. I don't know how many <laughs> followers he has, but you know, you can do this, and then you're gonna hop on. And why wouldn't you pay?" to see what's happening with Tesla behind the scenes stuff and, you know, hop on these Twitter spaces. Like you could see all this stuff really meshing well. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. All right. Next up from the next web, Instagram's new live rooms lets you go live with three other people. Too bad you don't have any followers. That is the headline, which is super rude. But that aside, Live Rooms is a feature that was previously only being tested in a few countries and it is now rolling out globally. So you can go live on Instagram with three other people, which makes four total for those without a calculator. And that seems like a really cool opportunity to tap into a broader audience as well. Because when you go live, your followers get a notification of that, but so do the followers of anybody else that's on this live room with you. So you can, again, tap into that bigger audience. And viewers wishing to support the host can purchase badges during the streams. And there's other monetization features as well, including some shopping functionality as well as fundraising opportunities. So the article does note that creators are using this for things like cook-alongs and mini gigs, which is cool. And then they also said workout sessions, which just kind of, I don't need four people working out 
showing me how to do it and mm-hmm. looking great and me not. So if you're not going to the gym in the pandemic and you want that awful feeling, you can do that. But <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is cool, but I just, you could go live before with one other person. So that's the upgrade. Now you've doubled how many people you can have in a live room. I agree. I think it is really cool. I think it is a little bit late because this mm-hmm. would have been really cool earlier in the pandemic when a lot of performers, like live performers, were trying to figure out how they can adapt what they used to do in person to an online experience working with other people. Yeah, when people actually liked video. You know, <laughs> like, well, yes. we didn't have fatigue, now. right? Yeah, yeah, like, that's back, true. Yeah, that would have been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now? now I don't want video. No. Yeah, now I want 3D audio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and rounding out the made news, Google is giving privacy advocates their just desserts. <laughs> <laughs> They're making it explicitly clear that once they phase out third-party cookies, they will not be working to um, with any ad tech companies to create an alternate identifier to track individuals as they browse, browse across the web, nor will they allow the use of them in their products. And like, basically, for some reason, all these ad tech companies are like, oh, like, can we do this? Can we do that? And it's just like, no, those rumors are squashed. After the cookie dies, Google will not be recognizing any sort of tracking that is individualized. Um, And like their main thing, which I totally agree with, is that the point of phasing out cookies is because of what consumers are asking for. They want privacy. They don't want their browser activity to be targetable in an individualized manner. If they were to make a new tracking device to replace cookies, that wouldn't work. Google has been really happy with their own testing of Flock, and they're actually planning to roll it out in Google Ads as a test starting in Q2. And I think that's really promising and really fulfills the need to still have tracking and but um, be respectful of people's privacy and address privacy concerns to replace cookies with something similar to cookies would just be useless, complete step backwards. The fact that mm-hmm. ad tech companies are trying to do that just seems extremely short-sighted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing besides Flock is that Chrome will get new user controls in April for people to control how their browser activity is tracked. Mm-hmm. And then the one thing that Google kind of wanted to leave here is to say that they're still standing by um, first-party data. First-party relationships between a business and a customer, that is vital to the business's success and creates a much better customer experience. So they are doing whatever they can to make sure that companies are still able to collect and use that first-party data because those relationships are consensual and very much needed. And they're just really only trying to get rid of being able to buy ads based on someone's individualized browsing activity. What yes. do you guys think? Well, I, I think one one other element in that article that was published on Wednesday was that they also are going to be getting rid of email targeting, right? So that they're not only going to be getting rid of third-party cookies, but also kind of axing the whole email targeting specifically. And I think that that's another important part as well. Um, and from the article, they say... 
We realize this means other providers may offer a level of user identity for ad tracking across the web that we will not, like pie graphs based on people's email addresses. We don't believe these solutions will meet rising customer expectations for privacy, nor will they stand up to rapidly evolving regulatory restrictions and therefore aren't a sustainable long-term investment. So that's mm-hmm. another thing that may be going away as well. So just kind of kind of counterpoint on that first party side of it. Yeah. And well, the, the fact of the matter is that Google's email matching is awful um, compared <laughs> to what any other platform has. I can't even get a sizable audience out of it. So, okay, like goodbye. I still have it on LinkedIn and Facebook where it actually works. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I've never been able to get an email list to work. So on but Google. That, that also may change with some of the other platforms as well so mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. hopefully there's some ways to again like with flock and you can look at, at federated learning of cohorts you can look and see cluster data not just individual data and hopefully some of the other platforms will come out with that too but overall with this change i i don't have any problems with it right like no. i have problems when you say you're taking away search queries because of privacy stuff mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense this makes sense. Like everything's saying, like, hey, we're not going to target people based off your emails, and you can't, you're not going to use third-party cookies, and we're just not going to track you across the web. That all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and there's still a solution that we advertisers can use, and it's one mm-hmm. that they stand by. They're not just taking things away; they're offering a solution, and hopefully, we see great results from it. So, albeit a hopefully. likely poor performing solution, but a solution. We'll see. And this seems the direction directionally genuine from the privacy standpoint. No complaints here. Not at all. Now it's time for this week's take of the week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We have no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week, the take of the week comes from a response to Sam Tomlinson at Digital Sam. I am on Twitter. And Sam said... Also, paid search, and this comes from this week's PPC chat, and I couldn't make it. Check out the PPC chat roundup with Anu um, if you missed it, and I believe there's a clubhouse, but I think you probably missed that (laughs) at this point anyway. (laughs) So Sam said, also, paid search is a demand capture tactic, meaning that it's converting existing demand created elsewhere into customers. Two other issues with his statement. And this is talking about Airbnb, which we'll get to, well, Mark will get to in a minute. (laughs) The counterfactual and the long-term implications of not understanding. And then Julie Baccini at Neptune Moon on Twitter came in and said, I have said for years that paid search captures demand. It does not generate it. And that is just an important distinction, I think, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to make. Because if there's no, it captures demand. And people a lot of times will think like, oh, let's go run search campaigns. And if you have an abstract product, which Mark, I know sometimes you get on the B2B SaaS side, there's just not demand sometimes. You can't generate it. You can you can kind of lasso it and try to bring it back, mm-hmm. but you can't just go out and generate demand. It has to exist. Yeah, and that the whole point of doing search is because there's intent behind it. Mm-hmm. And like, there can't be intent if there's not already demand. So it's very self-explanatory how it works and it's it's mind-boggling people can't wrap their heads around that 
And now it's time for this week's ICYMI. This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something you overlooked. But you shouldn't have ICYMI people going on over at r slash advertising on Reddit. What is your one top tip for coming up with blistering creative? Not abstract, go for a walk or sleep on it style advice. I'm looking for the down and dirty, never fails approach or ethos that breaks the back of even the most stubborn brief. And from Galwegian on Reddit, with 35 upvotes, treat the problem with disrespect, not reverence. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I, yeah. It's definitely an interesting perspective that's much more human and like speaking in that way. Being right. like, this problem is sucks. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, oh, having trouble falling sleeping at night? No, it's like, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> it's awful. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I dig it. Yeah. I think, especially when you have like me being in a lot of software stuff, when you have a software product that solves the problem of another software product. And you need to literally be like, you use the software because of X, Y, and Z, but these things about it are awful and make your life a living hell. And this is how you fix it. Yeah. If you get stuck, don't think about it in a, a kind of quaint folksy way. Mm-hmm. Treat it with disrespect. I love that. Be relatable. It's the problem. Yeah. Now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts, paid, organic, and social. First up in the page news this week from George Nguyen of Search Engine Land, dear friend of the show, Ginny Marvin joins Google as its new ads product liaison. And couldn't be happier about this. Quote from the article, in her new role, the veteran PPC journalist and former Third Door Media Editor-in-Chief will be helping marketers learn about Google Ads products and policies, end quote. And Ginny broke the news first herself on Twitter that created a big frenzy. (laughs) Her tweet um, at the time of the episode had 425 likes and 45 retweets and a whopping 82 replies. Some work news for me after a couple of months off. I have joined Google in a new role as ads product liaison. My core aim is to help answer questions about how Google ads products and policies work and help bring marketers insights and perspectives to the teams working on them. And like, yeah, we literally need this. And I can't think of a better person to do it. There's not one. There's not a better person. That's why you can't think of it. Because she is, <laughs> because she's literally been doing this for years. Like Google's ads puts out these statements that don't make sense or are horrifying to advertisers. And Ginny's just been breaking it down. So the fact that this is like literally going to be her main focus and it's going to be able to be that like conduit between advertisers mm-hmm. and Google, I'm very thankful for this. This is another like last week we had great news from Google. And I think, again, with this announcement, this is more good news that Google is finally starting to care a little bit. Yeah, honest question, though. Do you think in the interview at Google, on Ginny's resume, she listed two-time Clockscore winner or no? 
I hope so. That's probably what got her the job, Greg. <laughs> it's a well-respected This award. is a Google Ads podcast. <laughs> Show your act. I know. We, fl- we really flipped the podcast right in time because I love Ginny. Ginny is one of the absolute best people in the industry. And I think she's a lot like you where she loves Google Ads more than Google does. And when she was on Marketing and Talk with us, these things that like we have been so depressed about, she was kind of able to kind of put a more positive spin and put it in perspective. Mm-hmm. She still hated a lot of the changes, but she was able to kind of put things into perspective. And I think that she will really be successful in this role as long as Google allows her to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the, like she shoots straight, obviously. And, and mm-hmm. if you look at the other search liaison, Danny Sullivan, um, I was fortunate enough to work under both of them at Search Engine Land. And they are kind of like the pivotal, pivotal, I guess the, I don't know, the the kind of top of the class uh, for, for each different element. Danny for organic and, you know, running Search Engine Watch and search engine land and, and doing all that and then Ginny in this way. And this you, when you think about it like that, it's like these are the absolute perfect hires if you were Google's HR. And, and not to say that this is a negative or anything like that, but these are the people you'd want the most well-respected folks at the top of the industry that everybody looks to. And again, I'm not saying this, <laughs> though I'm about to say it here, like these are people that can really hold Google to the fire, right? Mm-hmm. Like like nobody can can lay out an article like Danny. Like if you look at any of his his, his previous articles at Search Engine Watch or Search Engine Land, there's nothing like it in the world. Nobody could could compete with it, and nobody has. I mean, I think the closest person is Rand, and you know, love him or hate him, Rand's you know do, does some some good stuff here. Um, but you know, on the paid side, Ginny is the voice of paid. And, you know, that voice is now Google. Yeah. And like like you already kind of said, this is going to eventually work in a similar way to how we have public search lays on Danny Sullivan and search advocate John Mueller. Um, Ginny will eventually be able to interact with Twitter on that way. Um, but for now, she's still at Ginny Marvin on Twitter if you need to reach out. Yes. And this, again, I, I couldn't be more happy about this. And there, again, is nobody better. Than Ginny for this specific. I, I was literally flabbergasted because it was such great news. And we got, <laughs> and we got our marketing clock at like maybe the one month slice that we could. Where it was like January, <laughs> like right after Search Engine Land, um, and then right before Google. Like we somehow timed mm-hmm. that perfectly. And if you want to, you can go check out that episode with Ginny talking about 2021. And again, we had Anu from Brain Labs on and Ginny and Mark as well. So a bunch of good stuff there and really happy that we fit her on where I don't think, you know, <laughs> in the coming months we'll be so lucky. Probably can't. Yeah. She's busy. But thank you, Jenny. <laughs> Next up from Julie F. Bacini at Neptune Moon on Twitter. Airbnb's CEO said in the earnings call that performance marketing is not really necessary. Hashtag PPC chat. And this is just like (laughs) such a dangerous and like convoluted take because, okay, like you had to stop doing PPC because your performance was down, but like you're a travel company in a pandemic. Like, yes, buying is going to be down. And they're like, now without paid, like traffic is already back up to last year's number. 
And it's like, okay, you have really high brand awareness. So you're getting a ton of organic search and direct traffic. Paid isn't necessarily supposed to be a traffic driver for you because you have such high market saturation already. It's more about supporting specific initiatives. So you can still have a performance marketing campaign running on paid and it not be tied to traffic or just like trying to increase repeat bookings or targeting certain areas. There's so many <laughs> keep, different keep things. Client you satisfaction can do up. Like there's so many different things. That it's just like such a dangerous take to put out in such a public way that could have been hurtful to people in PPC. It might be. And just so not well thought out. So you can read all about it. It's it's it's, places to find it's it. gonna make your blood boil. It's gonna make <laughs> your blood boil because Airbnb spent so much on I would what I would consider legit search engine marketing a and then legit marketing like you keep to come in and say 10 12 years after that their brand is such it's like a noun so you think it just happened you think people <laughs> just woke up and are like oh airbnb today like that's what happened no oh. it didn't happen like that and dennis um who i think is now over at um i forget where he is he was was it ebay and um fan FanDuel? No, Fan Sports Attire. Fan. Fathead? Fable. Fabletics? Fable, Fable, well, Fabletics, but it's Fan. Oh, my Fanatics. Fanatics. Fan. I don't know. Fatheads? No. Clothes. Anyway, yeah. he was the head of SEO at Airbnb, and they did so much cool stuff on the SEO space where they'd make city maps and they'd put all this awesome content around each of these locations where they have a lot of properties. And like, that's marketing. And then you see the quote where like, in 2019, we had elevated spend of performance marketing. And then 2020 occurred, our business drops by 80% eight weeks. And we pulled back all marketing, including performance marketing. But something remarkable happened. Even before we started resuming our marketing spend, our traffic levels came back to the 95% of traffic levels in 2019. People so yeah, because you did this already. Like you put so much work into it. You turned into Airbnb. Right. You don't just become Airbnb. And this is terrible advice to anybody that isn't Airbnb. Google. Uber. Like, like you need the marketing to occur to get to that level. Never forget how you got where you're at. Life mm -hmm. advice. Yeah, and it's like I hate when people like take like an anecdotal situation that happened and be like, this applies to everything. Yeah. And it's like, no, you do not know more than everyone else. And but something remarkable happened. <laughs> yeah, something remarkable happened. Yeah. People are thinking about, about traveling again. <laughs> we realize we're Airbnb. Like, oh, that's what, what an aha moment. <laughs> Get lost. I'm glad you realized that. And this we they um this week's PPC chat was all about everyone's um feelings about this. And our our next um, part here is um, from T Sam Tomlinson at Digital Sam I Am. And he was answering question two in PPC chat, which is, are you preparing any kind of response to either proactively send or have at the ready for clients who may bring this up? Specifically, we can reduce spend significantly and not hurt our results. And Sam says, nope. If a client asks about it, I'm happy and prepared to discuss my thoughts and why the approach advanced by Airbnb might not be the right way to go. 
but I don't want to extend more legitimacy to confirmation bias fueled idiocy than necessary. Hashtag PPC chat um, with a reply. Also at Greg Finn. Is that one spicy enough for you? <laughs> I oh. love that. And it's in. Is, he made it, Sam. You made it. <laughs> <laughs> plenty, plenty spicy. I think that's how we all feel. And I would honestly, if a client comes to you like that and it's kind of like, do they not trust you? I think there's something you need to work on with your relationship if a client immediately comes to you based off of the story. Yeah, that yeah. you need to either convey your worth more or work on that relationship if a client actually thinks that. Mm-hmm. And also, in the I know this is lightning <laughs> round, but in the comments that they made to investors, he said, and what this revealed is that our brand is inherently strong. It's a noun and a verb in pop culture. Like, yeah, if your client comes to you, ask if they're a freaking noun or a verb. All right? If no, mm. that like if you're not Kleenex, no, you need marketing, all right? Band-aid. Q-tips. <laughs> Cotton swaps. Airbnb. Next up in the news from Google, another taxing announcement. <laughs> oh, God. Starting May 1st, 2021, ads served in France and Spain will receive a 2% regulatory operating cost added to your invoice or statements, wherever you have that billing set up. And yeah, we saw this coming. We already had this happen as announced in September for the UK, Turkey, and Austria. They're just passing everything off to us. So not surprised, not that angry. It's a tax. Next up from Jess's best friend, Andrew Hutchinson at AD Hutchinson (laughs) on Twitter. TikTok's self-serve ad platform that launched in July of 2020 is now available to Canadian advertisers. Additionally, advertisers in Canada will have access to TikTok's Shopify channel and TikTok plans to ensure they're paying their fair share of Canadian taxes. Sure, the Ghanaian government really appreciates that one, that promise. <laughs> and lastly, they'll be hosting a virtual summit for Canadian businesses to learn from TikTok experts on how to be successful on the platform. Alrighty then. <laughs> Rounding out the paid news with more news from Google. And that's basically that Google is Googling things up again with revenues um in the process is that a verb or not (laughs) move over kleenex they don't need performance marketing oh no but yeah they've made an enemy of small ad tech firms for good reason by those ad tech firms by entering into little known revenue share arrangements with select ad tech vendors um, purportedly including Marin Software and Kenshu, who are receiving multi-million dollar rebates from Google, dependent on how much clients spend on Google search ads. I hate this. Mm. I had no idea that was the case. And I, Marin and Kenshu should be ashamed. And, and I, well, no, they should be ashamed. Google's going to yeah. do what they want to do to make more money. But the fact that you come out with this automation, this bid management tool... And you don't disclose, and you're a publicly traded company like Marin, and you don't disclose that you're making money from Google as a rebate based on how much your clients spend. I think that's very, very troubling, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And especially when, like, honestly, you're not the one making them spend. Like, it's an automation platform, right? And it's- your first, your first, if Google came to us 
and said, hey, we're going to give you money back for all the money that you spend. Mm-hmm. It's I'm part of say, the partner's program. No, I'm going to say no, or I'm going to give it back to the, the clients, right? Like that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't be like, this is my revenue driver. Figuring out how I can make people that use my bid management tool spend more so that I make more. That's not how it should work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You should be you should you should be a steward of somebody's money that you're using a tool like a software as a service tool like this, or if you're an agency. So I don't understand that at all. And bad business decision because if you're just gonna make people spend more, we all know that raising your budgets isn't the best way to optimize your campaigns. Well, you know who the joke's really on? Marin. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to uh, to take a look at that, yes. um, head over to MRIN on the stock ticker and look at the all-time. All right, so let's say you bought into the Marin IPO back in 2013. You bought one share. You had $113 of Marin. What is that worth today? $113 back in 2013. We need stonks with Shep. Yeah, uh, Shep. She would know. Call in. <laughs> Call that marketing clock dot Well, if you had $130 worth of Marin on the IPO, it is now worth $1.79. Oh, I was going to say 113 bananas, but I would have been very wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, you didn't lose anything if you didn't sell, right? <laughs> oh, Wise man once told me that. That was me, right? Before the show sure started. Sure was. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that does it for paid this week. Greg, tell me all about the money moves happening in organic. Well, I'm going to harness my inner shop and keep it here at the stock market section of the show. And we have a fantastic tweet thread from Dan Barker at Dan Barker on Twitter about the looming SEM rush, a.k.a. SEM rush, a.k.a. SEM rush, IPO that is happening. And according to the S1 that was filed, SEM Rush, aka SEMrush, spent $54 million on marketing last year, a revenue of $125 million. Overall, they netted out a loss of $7 million. That is up from a loss of $10 million in 2019. And Dan pulled out a bunch of really interesting facts. Head on over, sign up for the newsletter. You'll get all the stories each and every week from everything we cover here at Marketing Clock. But apparently they have 67,000 customers and the estimate was that customers are spending about $155 a month. That doesn't talk about growth year over year. And the ARR per paying customer in December was $1,892. They bumped that annual recurring revenue up to $2,123 in 2020. So things are looking good for SEM Rush and coming soon to a ticker near you. I believe it is SEMR. It would have been great if the could have just got SEM, but summer. Well, the R stands for Rush, I think. I know. <laughs> I know. But it's just, you can get like, yeah, you know, what is mm-hmm. Salesforce's ticker? It's just cloud, right? Really? Should I brand Did name they get it? that? Oh, no, CRM. CRM. Sorry. What am also I thinking? Also good. They, they, they're yeah. CRM. That's really good. That's very smart. Yeah, but they should just get SEM. Anyway, I digress. Well, they were in a rush to pick it out and didn't really think about it. <laughs> so stupid. I SEM what you did there. Okay. Oh, I was going to say that, and I was like, that's way too dumb to say. <laughs> well, Jess, you would have been right. There and is next- no pun too bad for this show. <laughs> and next up, from WordPress... 
there is a new table of contents feature in Gutenberg, and that is the newest version, or one of the newer versions of WordPress, and this is specifically 10.1, Gutenberg 10.1. You can see some examples over on a search engine journal. They've already started implementing this, and it looks really cool. It's a little box, and it just table of contents, everything for you. And, and a great example would be if you check out that marketing talk show, you can see all the different parts and different aspects of what we covered about funnels and hop right down in there and it makes it easy for publishers. You love to see it. YouTube is launching analytics, new sets of analytics that talk about returning users, unique viewers and subscribers. So new viewers will be a metric that shows how many people are watching your channel for the first time in a selected time period. Returning visitor viewers will be how many people are who already watched your channel previously returned to watch it in the selected time period. I'm really interested to see this, especially how many people can get back knowing that we're on sort of a diverse channel right now where it's Search Engine Journal, how many people, and hopefully again, it gets down to the video level and we can see how that works. All right, additionally from YouTube, there's a new option that allows parents to monitor their child's activities. So you can hop through and it's really for kind of kids that have outgrown that YouTube kids. So people that are beyond that and you just want to be like, hey, stop watching Ryan's world. We're out. We're done with this. You can watch something better. <laughs> All right. And then lastly, here from Barry Schwartz over at Search Engine Roundtable, Google is testing keyword tags and snippets. And this came, I think, by way of Brody Clark from Down Under. And he had an example of the 100 best movies on Netflix right now. And underneath are a few different tags. The tags are streaming, drama, and comedy. And this wasn't like the best example for me. It's like, yeah, no, we always get a bad example. There's never going to be a good example in anything written about Google. Imagine there's action in this, you know, like probably a lot of different stuff. You have a a hundred of the best (laughs) movies on Netflix right now. Number one, they're all going to be streaming. Yeah, they don't even have DVD are we, anymore. Like, do we're they? not ordering the DVDs by mail. <laughs> and it's Quickster? Like, yeah, I bet there's I bet there's a few dramas in there and a few comedies. There's a hundred movies, so I am sure they te- check off a lot of genres. All right. Well, that's it for Organic Bud. What's happening in social? So much, as always. So first up here... Twitter, which Greg, you mentioned earlier in the show, has acquired Review. So that is a publishing tool, in case you weren't listening earlier, for editorial newsletters. And Twitter just said that their goal is to make it easier for writers to connect with their subscribers while also helping readers better discover writers and their content. And those looking to monetize will be happy to know that Twitter is lowering the paid newsletter fee and also opening up previously pro-level only features to all users for free. So that's definitely something any writers out there should review. Um, one other thing, Jess, about this, um, you can't edit the newsletters. <laughs> what if that was their actual case? You're like, oh, we bought this newsletters company, and we take away the ability they just to edit. take away features, so it I can't. That's a joke, folks. Yeah, we don't. We don't know. I'm sure you can. You might be able to. <laughs> I hope so. All right, sticking with Twitter, they're pushing harder and harder on Spaces. So a couple updates this week on that: all Android users will now be able to join and participate in any space, though not necessarily create their own yet. That will be coming, and still in development. But super cool is a new scheduling feature that will allow you to schedule a space and then tweet and share a link to the upcoming space with your followers. So that, again, is still in development, but it seems like a great next move. Tweet that out. And next up from 2019 BFF of the show, Glenn Gabe, he tweeted, 
The next episode of As the Tech World Turns is out, less than one day after the previous episode. (laughs) Smiley face. Facebook agrees to pay three news publishers in Australia one day after changes were made to a law requiring the tech giant to pay news companies. So hopefully you listened last week and you're updated on that entire saga, but they have started paying. Jess, you get the really hacky, like, soap opera articles each week. Remember when you had to keep reporting on Trump and TikTok? Oh, my goodness. That was was a soap opera without a great name. (laughs) In general, hospital, I love covering these stories. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Related news. Apparently, Crocodile Dundee isn't the only thing from Australia to come stateside because according to Adweek, a bill is being reintroduced that would allow news media outlets to collectively bargain with the likes of Facebook and Google here in the U.S. This bill was originally from 2018, but obviously the buzz around everything going on in Australia has brought it back to life. So we will keep our eyes and ears open and tell you when we learn more about that story. In even bigger news, everybody sit down. Twitter has added stickers to fleets. And millennials can rejoice because the cry laughing emoji is present, not canceled. And now for Andrew Hutch coming in clutch, super lightning style, here are some stories he wrote this week, which you can grab from our newsletter if you want more. TikTok launches new TikTok for business profile to share key tips and insights. You can check this out for marketing tips, platform usage insights, and a whole lot more. Next, Facebook launches a new SMB-focused ad campaign to counter Apple's coming IDFA change. And in a very progressive move, they are going from newspapers here to TV and digital. So get excited. I was on the edge of my seat waiting for that sentence to die. Do you know how how they'd reach the most people super quick? How do you think? Support. (laughs) (laughs) And they put an intro message. Mm, No comment. They'd hit millions of people waiting to talk with them. That's true. They'd just open up chat and then lead with this announcement. (laughs) Like, I'm here to help, but did you know? (laughs) We also care about small businesses. They would be lying. Okay. (laughs) Next, Facebook launches a new bars app to help aspiring rappers put together short tracks that includes a library of effects tools and music to put your raps to and that certainly beats doing it all yourself right and just there's a note here that you're going to uh freestyle so take it away um yo i love marketing even in the <laughs> <Perfect>. dark <darkening. laughs> <laughs> i wasn't prepared for that well why'd you put it in the notes i did oh. <laughs> i just misread it sorry <laughs> well if any agents are listening i am available okay <laughs> Twitter is working on a new safety mode to limit the impact of on-platform abuse. And this feature will alert users when their tweets are getting negative attention and provide options for automatically blocking and muting abusive replies, which should help control, emphasis uh, on troll, uh, okay. growing nastiness <laughs> on the platform. Greg is just looking at me. What happens You threw you're... me off when you asked me to rap. Like, mom's spaghetti. My arms are heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> Finally, both Facebook and Pinterest have announced new features and spotlights to coincide with International Women's Day, which is coming up here on March 8th. We're talking silly things like stickers, but also community help dashboard updates and hashtag woman owned, hashtag female founded shop collections on both platforms and a whole lot more. So as Shania Twain would say, let's go, girls. And Jessica says you're going to sing country right here. Please go. Um, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I feel like a woman. 
Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. Three people walk into a clubhouse chat. Gary V. L.A. Dodgers third baseman, Justin Turner. And... Oh, yeah, it's the Kool-Aid man (laughs) from Scott Nover of Adweek. Be human and be fallible. Brands test the waters on Clubhouse. And this is interesting, the way that brands are now advertising on Clubhouse, which does not have its own advertising platform. It's all through, like, sponsorships and kind of like co-authored, I guess like co-hosted. And it's not spaces. technically advertising, right? Because you're not no, paying to do you're this. right. No. Yes, yeah. that is correct. It's, it, but it, it's weird go, because- It's like guerrilla marketing in a way, right? Yeah. And, Where you're you hopping in. of Clubhouse is like a networking platform and it's very professional and this is all B2C brands. And you can see in this tweet here that the Kool-Aid man um, is on at Join Clubhouse. He literally only (laughs) unmutes his mic to add to the convo by saying, oh, yeah. So thank you, the gaming silverback, who is, I think he's involved with Reddit. Yeah, it's Will Katie of Reddit tweeted this. Um, Really weird. Like, that is interesting marketing choice. And I hated the thought of this, of brands on, on Clubhouse. Oh. Until I realized that the Kool-Aid man only said one thing. And well, now I'm all in. I, I'm going to drink Kool-Aid tonight. Like, that's so cool. You're drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I'm drinking I, the Kool-Aid. I, I, Speaking I, of being a verb. <laughs> I, I love this just because it's the Kool-Aid man. And it's like, I think like Clubhouse is kind of weird. I think it'd be hilarious just to like every five minutes you just hear, oh yeah. Especially when it's Gary V, like hashtag crushing it. And like, what does the Kool-Aid man do? Oh, crushes yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite part of this article is like people taking a super serious tone with this because it's hilarious. And then we have um, Nayor Daniele, Associate Director of Marketing for Kids Hydration at Kraft Heinz. Which I wouldn't what a necessarily title. say like <laughs> Kool-Aid is hydration. It's powder. You have to add water. And There's no hydration. I cannot. Says Daniele said that Clubhouse allows users to opt into conversations that interest them. So for users that are interested with brands <laughs> like with a mascot like Kool-Aid, it allows them to have a more real-time conversation with them, even if they could only say, oh, yeah. I, I, t- I take this all back. I'm out. I don't want it anymore. I did not know that there was an associate director of marketing for Kids Hydration. What a like- dumb title. <laughs> and you're not hydrating the kids. It's sugar. Like you're giving kids, like you're anti-hydrating the kids. Mm-hmm. How dare you? I'm out She's of this. She's the associate director of heebie-jeebies. <laughs> oh my god! But like, there, there's a couple funny examples. Like if like the Hamburglar came in and like <laughs> shut the room down or something. Like that'd be funny. That'd be fun. Like, mm-hmm. and, but like you don't you, you don't want Affleck could be fun. Fun. Yeah. Like if Wendy comes in and starts talking about you know the Baconator, no thanks. I'm out. <laughs> and it's like there needs to be related. Like a couple like things in the article, they made some like good suggestions about like if Nike like hosted a conversation with like a shoe designer, like sure. Yeah. Oh, another good one. Let's say you're talking about like, um, you know, fast cars and you have Flow Pop on from Progressive. 
You're great. <laughs> yeah. No, it'd be terrible. I hate this idea. I mean, <laughs> I'm I, get rid of that. it. I'm stealing your yeah. idea and pitching it. Um, hashtag crush it. Oh, yeah. And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work. Good, bad, or otherwise. Coming as no surprise, I've been very quick to try the Google Ads new feature of being able to send someone directly to a lead form rather than a landing page. Um, and I've honestly, I was really excited about this, but I haven't been impressed. I just don't think the technology is there. They need to fix some things. So first of all, um, the setting to actually change it to going to the lead form is actually pretty hidden. Um, if you go to your campaign settings, um, I should throw a screenshot up for that for you people listening. Um, but it's like in the additional settings when you're in the campaign settings and there is like a little checkbox to send someone directly to your lead form. The setting is called lead form settings. My main gripe though, actually two main gripes. A, it doesn't pull in keyword data. So the you would have to manually see the keyword someone converted on. Like you can pull in GCLID, ad group, ID, um, creative ID, but for some reason you can't pull in keywords. Which is which so is, important for intent. Like, <laughs> hi, um, I'm running search ads, so I should <laughs> know. Like, you might not want to show me queries, but I should at least know the keyword I'm bidding on that converted on yes. this. Like, that just seemed like, I was like honestly confused. Like, Why I'm, like, wouldn't am you I, do that? I thought what I, did you- like, I did something wrong, and then I'm like, no, it's literally not here. Um, Jenny, the, the settings, <laughs> the settings are really screwed up with it. Where I'm not able to download leads myself, even though we have the right settings. Like I double checked all the documentation that said, like if you um, have an MCC, and you can't download because you're on an MCC or ad manager. Yes, account. it said like you just need to have admin permissions, and our MCC has admin permissions. And according to Google, that should be enough. But I'm not able to download the leads. So that is a problem. The other problem is I was doing an experiment where I was doing an A-B test between the landing page and the lead forms. I'm obviously not just going to turn this on blindly. I care about my client's performance. And the campaign with the lead form is getting probably about like an intent, a tenth of the impressions of the campaign with the landing page in the Google experiment. So really it's the same campaign. One's a draft an experiment. The other's the main campaign. And I double checked to make sure all the locations I was targeting had support for lead forms. And there's something not working where they're saying it should be working on desktop. It's obviously not working on all devices because while the experiment and the main campaign might have differences and impressions, like it shouldn't be that drastically different. There's something not working right there. So I would say add them as extensions. I would not go chasing after the direct to lead form yet. Um, that is my advice on that. Jess, what's going on over in your world? So I am just super excited as a Hotjar user about this beta feature. It's still in beta, but it works really well at continuous heat maps. I don't know if you guys have played with this at all, but in Hotjar, it used to be, and you still can, create a heat map manually where you have to put in the URL and then it will collect data and generate a heat map when it's had enough visits. But this continuous heat maps feature, you don't have to do that. You can just pop in 
any URL that you are tracking from your site and it will just create a heat map on the fly and update with the most recent set of data. So I was doing an analysis recently where I was digging into how folks are using a site because that's why you would use Hotjar. And we had predicted some pages that we thought would be really important just based on where people were landing when they got to the site and we put those in manually. But as we were going through and digging in and seeing where people were clicking, I was like, oh, well, now I want to see what they're doing on that page. And because of this continuous heat maps feature, a heat map that I had not set up originally, I was able to just generate on the fly. And again, if you don't have enough visits to it, then it's maybe not the greatest data, but it just keeps accumulating it and creating it. And it was just super helpful when I was actually digging in to the site. So if you use Hotjar, just don't be afraid of that. It, it works really well and it's nice. So check it out. Okay. All right. And for me, this is a really simple tool. If you have a middle click button, at least on Windows, and I believe it works on Mac as well. So I have a little scroll bar. You can click that. And if you hover over tab and you click the middle middle button, it shuts the tab down completely. And I'm like a tab guy, so it just I love it now. I just shut things down all the time. Just middle click button will shut a tab right down. Handy. How do you do that on a laptop? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is more of a wow, how to, but still cool. It's for anyone that has played with GA4, you know that there's a lot of built-in tracking, which is killer, but even so there are still some limitations. GA4 is really new. So scroll tracking is one of those fairly limited features, at least for now. It only tracks when somebody actually scrolls beyond the 90% mark, which there's a lot to track before that. There's 89% before that that you would want to see. So that is where this post from Analytics Mania comes in. It's called Scroll Tracking with Google Analytics 4 and Tag Manager. And it's a setup guide for not one, but two different approaches to tracking scroll depth with GA4 and Tag Manager. It's super easy to follow and it includes ample screenshots for your eye holes. So if this is something that interests you and you're in GA4, you can grab the link from our newsletter and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Glenn Gabe over at G Squared Interactive. And he has a phenomenal post that could really use this table of contents built in to WordPress now mm -hmm. on how to use... Google Search Console's crawl stats reporting to analyze and troubleshoot site moves and domain name changes and URL migrations. There is a lot to this, but I think something that I've seen in any kind of migrations, it, he hits in the first paragraph where he says, for site migrations, I've always said that Murphy's Law is real. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. You can prepare like crazy, think you have everything nailed down, only to see a migration go sideways once you launch the migration. So he talks about adding Google's crawl stats reporting to your overall migration checklist, talks about why, and then really gives a good intro of the new crawl stats report in Google Search Console and how it's a good proxy for log files. He covers really the fact that it's for uh, site moves with URL changes is where this article will come into play. Um, it talks about how to identify problems with domain name changes and URL migrations using the crawl stats reporting, 404s and broken redirects, image search if that matters to you, robots.txt issues, 
Um, other host issues, including DNS resolution and server connectivity, performance problems, subdomain issues, and then he has a bunch of final tips and recommendations. And if you're doing a site migration, this is easily something you should bookmark. It's mm -hmm. I, I talk about it a lot. I think Casey talks about it a lot as well. Casey Gillette from the Fabulous Call Marketing about um, the SEER Interactive uh, list for Screaming Frog. They p will go through and list every single way you could use this. If you're doing a migration, bookmark this and use all the different elements. Glenn has imagery and, again, a very how-to approach of what to do for migration. So thank you, Glenn. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from the show over on marketingoclock.com when you sign up for the newsletter. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack. We're after a famous Friday news show. We don't talk about any... <laughs> anything. <laughs> we don't talk about anything. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just... Shoot the hack. And this week we're going to play everybody's favorite game, <laughs> trivia. And everybody gets a yes, no answer. It is true, false. Mm. Okay. And we have Jess, Mark, and Caleb playing today. And first up, there's a spring theme to all these questions. First question or first statement, and you tell me true or false. The first day of spring is called the sternal equinox. The term sternal is Latin for spring, and equinox is Latin for equal night. True or false? Is it me? Yes. It's false. It's vernal equinox. Well, you just gave the answer away to everybody else. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Do I get two points? All right, we all get a point. Okay, does anybody else want to answer that question? I thought everybody got their own question. Oh, okay. How, what are the rules to Okay, Jess, you have one. All right. <laughs> okay. okay. True or false? The first day of spring in the southern hemisphere is the first day of fall in the northern hemisphere, Caleb. False. That is true. Just has the lead. Okay. Mark, Easter always falls on the second Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox. True. Incorrect. Oh, it is actually is the first Sunday after the first full moon. <laughs> So it still is about the full moon? No, that's what my thing is. I knew it was about the full moon because Easter changes every year, but it's always yes. on a Sunday. But why is it about the full moon? That I is, don't, what I does don't it know. have to do don't with know. Because it bunnies. comes from Christians taking pagan traditions. Oh. oh. So is, are my chakras aligned? I don't know about your personal life. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I do. Because <laughs> we burn ourselves to work. You should keep in the audio of the paper shuffling. Greg has actual printed out sheets this week. It's, it's not on the computer that's in front of him. It's doing we, my best. We are going classic, classic. I feel like I'm back in grade school. 
We got a nice handout. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jess, round two. Last round. True or false? Earthquakes are more common in the spring and least common in the winter. Is that the whole question? Yes. Worldwide? Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Pitbull. False. Correct. Tornadoes yes. are. Yes. And you have essentially won because you have two points. So that's it. <laughs> 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 um, we need Shep back. We miss you, Shep. And we will see you next week.